And go. All right. Yes, 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 yes. So excited. I'm going to move around and make my chair squeak. It's going to be weird sounds. That's what you get on the Nothing to Fear podcast, this weekly dive into a different horror movie. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, Alex. Welcome, Luke. My name is Billy. I've already introduced my co-host, but what we do on this podcast is we watch a horror movie and we talk about it. And now to more in-depth introduce my co-host, I've got Luke Mason, (laughs) our Western Canadian or Pacific Canadian correspondent, signing in. How are you doing, Luke? All the way out there on the West. I'll take Kootenai Canadian. Kootenai Canadian. Because even though it's in BC, it's still like about a seven hour drive to the ocean from here. <laughs> so... <Sure. laughs> yes, I am well. The the Kokanee Sasquatch around. Is that is that where you yeah. are? That's a very yep. niche beer reference from a Canadian beer. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the beer out here. <laughs> is that the beer where the mountains are blue? Yes. No, no, that's... Well, oh, is the that, sky... Is that, Sky? The can oh, yeah. is blue. If it's blue. blue, it's cold, right? Well, the, well, the can is blue. What was this that pool where it's like, it, you know it's going to be ice cold? That's course. That's uh, course. Oh, of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> but I think that beer's yeah. from Colorado. Oh. So. Corserato. Cor- <laughs> we talk about Kokanee. Yeah. Or Kokanee Gold. The oh, yeah. same beer, but a bit more expensive. <laughs> and a little bit grosser. A little bit grosser. I don't know why I'm talking about beer. I haven't had a drink since January 2020. So anyway, <laughs> it's nice to have you here, Luke. Welcome to Kootenai Canadian. Yeah. And I've got Alex checking in from Alberta. How are you doing, Alex? Juan? Hey, you, dumbass Canadian doing? here. Checking in. Doing well. What's up? <laughs> God, I hate uh, this province. I think, I think you're mispronouncing Southern Alberta, Alex. <laughs> So, Alex, yes, you are reporting from the steaming hellhole that is Alberta, often in competition between my new province of residence, Quebec, for most embarrassing Canadian province, but it's good to have you on the call, it's good to talk to you, and ready to talk horror movies, and not about the hellscape that is the life all around us, because that's not what the show's about. (laughs) One day we're just going to talk about what's going on in our lives, and that's the real horror movie, right? (laughs) There we go. That's something you can so, maybe look for on our Patreon. <laughs> to avoid talking about real life horror, we talk about fantasy horror. You know what? It's called a coping method, Luke. Look it up. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we watch horror movies on this podcast. And for the entire month of November, we're doing listener requests. So if you wanted us to watch a movie that you really like or really are interested in, you could request it. And we've picked five, and it's my pick for this week. And we're going back into the sequels. If you've looked at the title of this, you'll know what it is. But in case you didn't, we're going to be watching the sequel to Hellraiser, which is, as I found out 10 minutes ago, actually called Hellbound, colon, Hellraiser 2. So one of the odd movies that's not like the same title two and then a colon with a subtitle it's actually the hellbound is first so i'm excited for this one because i enjoyed hellraiser one the original hellraiser i don't think that's the subtitle of it but i i enjoyed it i remember liking it i remember thinking it was gross and gory and i've heard from a lot of people that the sequel is one of the better movie sequels out there not in not just in horror movies but like overall like as far as movie sequels go it's pretty good so 
I don't know much more than that. I don't know any synopses or, and I haven't seen it. So I'm really excited to get diving on in. But Luke, what do you know about Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, even more Hellraiser, 2 Hell, 2 Razor? What do you know? (laughs) Well, I now know it's called Hellbound, colon, Hellraiser 2. (laughs) Yep. Which I would say exhausts my knowledge of the film. So. (laughs) Ah. And what a long run it was. (laughs) I assume it will have Cenobites and Pinhead again and the other ones and probably some humans that make some bad decisions because otherwise there's no such thing as horror movies without humans making bad decisions. (laughs) And then maybe they go to hell. Hellbound? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll throw some money on that one. Maybe this time they go to hell and they find out that- Where do they end up? Alberta? It's not. <laughs> zing, zing, zing. <laughs> and then, spoiler alert, they find out it's not the paradise they thought it was. So, Angels to some, <laughs> demons to others, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah, looking forward I, to it. I'm sure it'll be good. I liked the first one. I feel like those are pretty safe bets. Mm. And, yeah, I like that. I, I'm looking forward to expand more on our discussion around the Cenobites from the first movie, where we talked a little bit about how they weren't necessarily, you know, they, they have that line where they're angels to some, demons to other, where it's like, they're not good or evil. It's like how the humans around them interact with them <laughs> that colors the way they do it. And, you know, if, you, if you're if you out there seeking out this, like, these realms of extreme pleasure and pain, they're happy to provide that service. They're, you know, mm. they're, they're, re- they're willing to do it. And we didn't see them go on a rampage and attack just everybody in the whole town. It's only the people who sought them out, so... I'll be interested to see how how they uh, are in the second movie. But Alex, do you know this one? Are you going to be the surprise third host who knows everything about the Hellraiser franchise and shocks us all? Well, I learned that this movie is actually called Hellbound, colon, <laughs> Hellraiser 2. Oh, Pretty recently. Yeah. Where'd so. you learn that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it was from this podcast. Mm. <laughs> nice. That's where I get all my info. <laughs> yeah. And I expect some Xenobites. I don't remember if I liked the first one. And I'm, I I think I'm going to lean on, I think I was lukewarm on it as opposed to Alex warm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. And Alex warm is real hot. I'm going to be skeptical because <laughs> sequels are not, are, are generally not great. And mm-hmm. I'm doubtful this can top two towers. So okay, whatever well, source you not, had, Billy, whatever source you had about not horror movie sequels, but sequels in general. Like, I didn't say best. I said one of the best. Okay. One it's of definitely the. definitely not going to be. So as is it going to be in the echelon towers. of two towers and Empire Strikes Back? My prediction is it's going to be above Too Fast, Too Furious, mm. but below Matrix Revolutions. Resolutions? Revelations? Resurrections? The, I don't know. The, if, the, the second one is Reloaded. Reloaded. Not even close. <laughs> yeah. So, so you it's going to be worse than Matrix Reloaded? In, I don't know. I think you, it'll be on par with Matrix on Reloaded. On par? Okay. That's a pretty good. That's okay. a decent sequel. C- question, though. Yeah. Is Two Towers a sequel? I feel yeah. like The Lord of the Rings is one story. So the Two Towers is just an extension of the story. Well, is there a Hellraiser 3? Yes. Exactly. Well, Boom. It's called Hell on Earth. <laughs> But no, okay, so here's pedantic point of the pod number one. Mm. Uh, Tolkien, when he wrote the Lord of the Rings, intended it to be one story. It was broken into three parts by mm-hmm. publishers and stuff, as far as I know. 
but he intended it to be one entire story. So I guess by that definition, no, The Two Towers is not a sequel because it is all just an act of the bigger story. But mm-hmm. but we're talking could, movies. We're talking. Movies. I don't know. I feel like they say Empire Strikes Back. I don't. I feel like if it's a trilogy or if it's like its own contained saga, it kind of loses the word sequel to me, right? Mm. In a way that, like, obviously Halloween two. And then Halloween 4 and like they just they kind of like <laughs> leave universe for a while with other ones like those are just kind of less connected storylines. OK, right. so if we're going by that, then this is not a sequel that we're watching today, Luke. <laughs> you don't know. Well, I, I don't know that yet. We'll see. We'll see. Well, you, do, you do. You do now. You do now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Alex is it. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah. So either <laughs> this is a sequel or none of them are sequels. And the only sequel there is is Lion King 2. You know what, Alex? I've heard somewhere that only a Sith deals in absolutes. Well, at least I am an absolute and not some, you know, Ooh, I'm not an angel or a demon. I'm just... This was my other point. So I really had an issue with like, we're not actually evil. We're just hanging out and, you know, like... It, it goes into the jigsaw school of thought and i think the cenobites okay, are sure. not good i would not want to see them and if i don't want to right. see them chances are you lean more on the not good spectrum of good versus evil yeah but aren't supernatural entities not really bound by our moral rules yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay but yeah. when you talk to a human if you're a good or evil you have to use a human's perspective right yeah, that does. That is so. the challenge of implementing supernatural beings into our yeah. world. <laughs> also, if I remember correctly, in Hellraiser, the first Hellraiser, which was not Hellraiser one, it was just Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser, the first Hellraiser, not they the first lied, Hellraiser, but didn't Hellraiser. they? Yeah, they they lied. Yeah, remember when they said we won't like give us the mom and we'll leave you, and she gives the not like the stepmom, the cheating mm. mom. The cheating lady, she gives right. it. Yeah. She gi- she puts her up in the attic, and then they they kill her, and then they're like, "Just kidding, we're gonna get you too." I don't remember the character's name, but I mm-hmm. all I remember was like, they they try to act like they're like some higher being, and they're so cosmically cool, but they're they're they're, they're just like liars and and cheats and <laughs> mo- moiters. Moiterers. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> like as cool can... and interesting as the Cenobites are, I put them in the jigsaw category of villains right like i don't care if you have this cool morality to you like it's i just think you're 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 an asshole you know what the the xenobites do look like they've survived a jigsaw trap they they certainly do (laughs) so technically they were never murdered they were never i don't think they're humans but you know what i'm i I would love to get into this more on the second, the second half of the back end. <laughs> After we, we talk about it more in the context of the yeah. movie, because I think you bring up a lot of really interesting stuff, Alex, about the morality and and their morality versus how we color their morality through our own lenses. I think that's a there's a lot of really interesting stuff to talk about. But I would love to refresh my memory about the Cenobites because I don't really remember what happened in Hellraiser one too much, like the specifics of it, and I think that. Once we watch the sequel, we'll come back and we'll have a much more robust conversation. So I think we should go do that. (laughs) Well, maybe, like, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping they explore the lore a little bit more, sell me on why they do what they do a bit more. But if it's more of the same of the first, then I'm going to be like, I'm going to be that that kid in the meme where it's like a white lady there, but he's looking at her all skeptically. Do you know which one? Mm. 
That one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Thank you for describing memes. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I just think two towers shouldn't be your benchmark for like if you're gonna like this one or not. It's like the greatest secondary movie in a trilogy ever. Yes. Okay. Well, so the two towers is the top. We we can all agree. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone on the internet, guess what? Two towers is the best sequel of all time. You can't change my mind. We're gonna watch this sequel. Hellbound colon Hellraiser 2 and I would advise you to check out Does the Dog Die for any triggers. I think we can be pretty safe to assume there's going to be blood and guts and lots of weird body horror stuff so know that going into it. And Do you think we'll, we'll see boobs? Talk about it. We yeah. may or may not see boobs. Nice. We will absolutely talk about it and we'll spoil it when we come back so check out your triggers. Check out DoesTheDogDie.com Thank you for sticking through us. Here's the trailer. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. The vision is renewed. The power is reawakened. The fear is reborn. Because they have returned. Time to play. Hellbound. Hellraiser 2. Brace yourself. For terror you have never imagined. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. And horrors you can never escape. And you wanted to know. Now you know. Last year, they brought hell to Earth. Now, they'll take you through hell. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, time to play. And we're off. We're off. We're on. I mean off. Because <laughs> you're off and you're on. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Go for it, Alex. <laughs> let's, let's go. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, is a 1988 horror film directed by Tony Randall, starring Claire Higgins, Ashley Lawrence, Kenneth Cranham, and Doug Bradley. Ashley Lawrence reprises her role as Kirsty Cotton, who is admitted into a psychiatric hospital after the events of the first film. There, the head doctor, Kenneth Cranham, unleashes the Cenobites, a group of sadomasochistic beings from another dimension. What a word. So many syllables. Sado, sado. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. (sighs) Was that it? Was that the synopsis? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) That was the synopsis. (laughs) That's it. Okay. We're there. (sighs) All right. Listeners, just another reminder for listener request month that if this was your favorite movie we may or may not agree with your decision on having this be your favorite movie (laughs) our opinions are our own so billy you picked this movie 
Tell us what yeah. you think about this movie, Billy. Yeah. Well, as my good friend Luke Mason once said, this is the grossest movie we've ever done for nothing to fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yuck. <laughs> yuck. This movie. What did I think? It was disgusting. It was not a great movie to pick while I was having my lunch. I'll say that much. I can answer that one successfully. It was very, very confusing. There was a lot of parts where I felt like I was in a dream. And not like a nice dream like I'm usually having, but like a very scary dream. The effects were something. I will say that the the desired effect of these special effects was to elicit a reaction and boy oh boy did they elicit reactions because this movie was gross it was so disgusting and for me i don't think the story was strong enough to forgive the disgusting effects like it didn't pay it didn't pay off for me it didn't pay off for me folks so that's my initial take and I definitely am going to use this episode, the next however long, as therapy to talk through Hellbound, colon, Hellraiser 2. <laughs> what did you think, Alex? Well, we definitely saw a lot of colons. <laughs> yeah? I don't know. I want to say this movie fucking sucks. Okay. But I didn't, like, hate it. But I didn't like it either. You know, this, Mm -hmm. it was super gross, but it was just kind of like a jumbled mess where some of it made sense, some of it was stupid, some of it was neat, some of it was kind of dumb, some of it looked really (laughs) cool, some of it looked really bad, some of the characters were interesting, some of the characters were stupid. I'm like, kind of just floating in between. I will say this was not a good sequel. I will say that. Oh, okay. I don't think this was a good sequel. Right. Was this a bad movie? Maybe. I don't know yet. I don't know (laughs) if this was a bad movie yet. Was this a good movie? I can definitely say no, it was not a good movie. But was it a bad movie? I don't know. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm like a little bit speechless because I finished this movie about five minutes ago and I still don't know what to say. Um, So let's let's move on. Those are my thoughts. Sure. (laughs) sure i agree i agree left me speechless is exactly what this movie did to the point where usually i you know close out the streamer that i'm playing it on i hook up the computer and this time like once the credits start rolling started rolling i just like got up and walked around a little bit like i didn't even touch my computer i was just like god damn it go away amazon no stop computer stop Stop it. Stop it. Hi, Alexa. (laughs) Stop it. No. Hey, Alexa, play Beautiful Day by U2. (laughs) I unplugged her because. Don't let her get away. Here's the thing I'm a fan of Star Trek, so I made the wake word on my Alexa computer, but I can't say computer around it now because Mm. I have to change it back. Anyway. Yeah, I had to just walk away from my computer and let the credits roll because it was gross. Luke, I'm leaving all this Alexa stuff in. Luke, tell us what you thought about the movie. Well, I think I'll start with the positive in that this isn't uh, this isn't singular. like a this isn't a, like a terrible, terrible, terrible movie. 
and it's certainly not the worst we've done on this podcast. Sure. But I definitely found, like, this movie could not hold my attention. I just found myself looking away, looking at my phone, like, kind of aggressively, and, like, I'm taking the initiative to not pay attention to what's going on on the screen. And, like, okay. that's not pretty, that's not super common for movies in general in this podcast. I just, I, like, the body horror stuff was just put on warp speed for some reason. Like, it's like everybody involved in the first Hellraiser saw how successful it was and thought the reason it was so successful was the gory parts as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, the Cenobites and, like, the weird kind of, like, philosophical element of the pleasure and pain. And so they just tripled down on the gore. And so, like, like the it was just gratuitously disgusting to a point where I was just like, I don't want to watch this. And so a kind of confusing and not really compelling storyline with elements that are okay, but viscerally, I just didn't want to watch the screen when, I, when this movie was happening. And I feel like that might make it not a good movie. <laughs> if the movie behaves in such a way that you don't want to watch it, I feel like that's a good indicator of... So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, like Alex said, I, I, I kind of don't even remember half this movie because it just was so... It turned me off watching it, even though I don't think it's terrible. Like, there were parts of this movie where I was like, okay, yeah, I see what they're doing. Um, sure. oh, okay, we've got the evil French Frenchish doctor going on, and we've got uh, stupid Kyle being stupid, and <laughs> we've Hi, got... Kyle. You can call me Kyle. <laughs> yeah. So we had, like, all of those easy-to-cast type of characters, and Kirsty's back. So, yeah, I I don't have much... I don't even have much to say, I feel, about this movie because I had to, like, avert my eyes so often from it. But I don't think it's very good. I certainly don't think it's as good as the first one. Not even close. Mm. So yeah, that's how I would say it to start. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, you know how, like, when the MCU did, they started getting, like, really, really popular and this, like, sh- idea of a shared universe of movies became really really interesting to lots of other people and then we saw it pop up everywhere else it was kind of like hellraiser 2 just took yeah just took all the the parts of hellraiser 1 that they thought was going to make the most money and Mm -hmm. just added 20 billion more scenes of hooks and flesh and squelching and red corn dye and just like no you're right that's not what was compelling about hellraiser 1 the idea mm-hmm. of like, what are the Cenobites? What are they there for? If you call them, you are, you know, you're toast. You've transgressed or you've you've invited this evil in. And so this is the, the consequence you have to pay. But in this one, it was just like, now we have a stretch of wall that doesn't have any blood splashed on it. Can we splash some blood on here real <laughs> quick before we like move on to the next scene? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just... So I feel like maybe this is one where we go through our our likes and dislikes because, yeah, the <laughs> plot is bananas. The plot makes n- no sense from start to finish. And maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe it's like you got to watch it a lot of times to get the plot. But I don't want to I don't want to watch this movie again. I don't want to see the doctor with his gross hand tentacles. I don't want to see 
I don't want to see the Cenobites again. I don't. I don't want to see it. I'm, I'm good. I'm all good on the Cenobite front. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Likes and dislikes and <laughs> scariest parts and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, I thought the plot was actually really straightforward. Okay, go for it. Let, give us a give us a plot. Well, she gets admitted to. It's like a direct sequel, so it happens immediately yep. after the events of the first one. And Kirsty is in the hospital. And it turns out the the head doctor knows about the I don't know the other dimension whatever like hell and <laughs> and wants to go there. I want to go to that place, <laughs> says this doctor who is. I want to go to there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Julia's back from the first one and is an ang. You know. Okay. Before I continue on, this is one of the problems with this movie. There were too many antagonists. Okay, this was yeah. Spider-Man 3 all over again. There's too many, like, <laughs> I, I, who am I supposed to root against? Everybody except for right. Kirsty and Tiffany, apparently, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just too many antagonists, and they're, and the antagonists are fighting each other as well. doesn't make any sense to <laughs> right. me. I'm, yeah, okay. So anyways, he's like, I want to go there, and then he finds Julia, and similar to how Julia gave Frank bodies in the first one, he gives bodies to Julia so that she can get a skin because... God damn, this doctor, Dr. Chenard, he was down bad. Like, the scene where he's getting horny for this, like, meaty flesh (laughs) body. I don't think I've ever, you know, I don't think I would ever be that desperate. I'll be honest. (laughs) You wouldn't want to go after Lady Red Skull? (sighs) Yeah, yeah, he was down bad. Yeah. So anyways, she gets the skin back, and then the other dumb side character that dies off, Kyle, is like, I don't believe you. Kirsty, but I broke into this doctor's house and I saw all this shit that he has in his room. Now I believe you, so let's go to his house. And then hell gets opened up. The doctor wants to become a Cenobite, I guess. And then there's some shit that happens and there's a girl that can solve puzzles and... <laughs> Lucky. They get out and close <laughs> hell and like... Oh yeah, Kirsty's invested in this because she thinks her dad is in hell and right. wants her help to get out, but it turns out... It was Uncle Frank the whole time again. Uh, and then so there was that little side plot. Frank. Yeah. And then we do get some backstory on the Cenobites. One and of this, them, yeah. Pinhead this was actually sure. my favorite part of the mo- movie because it completely absolves my questions of the Cenobites character from the first one. Remember how Ooh, at the okay. start of the episode mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? The Cenobites, they like, they're these like ooh, we're like neither angels or demons. We just go around. But then I was like, oh, they're just assholes? Well, in this movie, it explains why they're assholes, because they're human the whole time. (laughs) So it makes total sense to me now. Sure, yeah. Right? Because they're not actually originally these supernatural entities that have a different way of viewing things. Sure. The reason why they lied is because they're humans. It all makes sense. And humans lie to themselves all the time anyway. Exactly. (laughs) So I did like that. Well, I've never lied to myself, but anyway, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Just to us. Yeah, and then the the doctor becomes like the the ultra Cenobite, and he's like, I don't know what his motives are. He just wants to say the doctor is in, and like just have like puns galore. <laughs> and then he he gets taken out, and Julia and Tiffany escape, and they close hell. But I guess hell comes on Earth because the at the very end, the little pillar with all the random shit comes out of the mattress. I guess that sets up for the third movie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the plot. I think it's straightforward. They go to hell, right? It's called Hellbound. <laughs> it's in the title. And they come it's... come back. 
<laughs> you know Helen what? back again. It's a straightforward plot, says Alex, after he takes three minutes to explain the very <laughs> long and well. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was confusing. Like, it's, like, it's stupid, but it wasn't confusing. It was just like, you know really, what? that's the plot? Was, it was um, just a bunch of stuff that happened. Yeah. Was the third one called Hell- Hellward Bound with Michael J. Fox as Chance and Sally Field as Sassy and whoever played Shadow as Shadow? I would see that movie if I could see that gold retriever and Pitbull taking on a Cenobite. Yeah. Sassy's like knocking over jars of human ears and eyes and stuff. Yeah. I love it. Actually, so Alex, nice plot rundown. I also wanted to note, I think I mentioned to Billy before we started recording that Dr. Chenard, was that his name, or Chenard, whatever it was. Chenard. Chenard, Chenard. He was like this, the body horror version of a Bond villain. You know, like he felt like a James Bond villain at the end where he's like, ha ha, all of my plans have come and you didn't see any of it. And I'm actually literally getting fed sustenance through my brain. And here I am ruling over hell now. And it's just like, man, this is such an 80s bond villain type even the way he looked he could have been that so mm-hmm. it was like weird because the motives of the of i guess the main main antagonist were so cartoonish in this disgusting movie so it felt so dissonant dr chenard being this in a way that the xenobites didn't feel like that in the first movie right even though they were self-serious, and the tone is very self-serious. They were a lot more malevolent, and this guy was just like, I'm bad, check me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was like, the Cenobites are like, hey, listen, we do bad things, but only to people who, like, open the box and call us, whereas Dr. Chenard was like, I want everyone to have a puzzle box so I can Cenobite everybody, and mm. yeah, it was just he like... Was- Chaotic evil. Extra evil. Chaotic evil, sure. <laughs> Whereas the Cenobites are like neutral evil. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> D&D alignment chart. There's always a yeah. bigger bad. There's always a bigger fish, as one Jedi said. Yeah. But yeah, okay. So That's the plot, Billy. Any questions? <laughs> so many questions. So many questions. But I don't think it matters. I don't think it really matters because, yeah, it's like, they were like, okay, so we need to get them to go to hell where more gross stuff can happen. How do we do that? And they're like, I don't know. We'll just have them go there. And they're like, great. Good job writing a movie, everybody. Off we go. And then well, they yeah, just like, like, filled in gross parts. As it they felt went. like maybe 1% of their budget was spent on the script and like 90% on the effects. And it showed. And it showed. For context, it's not Hellraiser 3, Hellward Bound. Unfortunately, it's Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. So uh, I was right. <laughs> Hell on Earth. <laughs> well, I want to see the the world colliding epic Hellward Bound starring two dogs and a cat. <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to see was an SNL sketch where they have Tiffany, the like master puzzle solver, and Dr. Chenard and Julia are looking through the mirror when she's opening the Hellraiser puzzle box. And he's like, I just want to see her do it. I need to see it done. And then it cuts to the box and she's just solving a regular Rubik's Cube because he can't figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, that's what I wanted to see uh, sure. in terms of a comedy spoof. And, and that would have like, been very 80s. Once she solves it, she's like, mm-hmm. red, blue, it's solved. And then the Cenobites come in and are like, good job. Here's a Pizza Hut because it's the 80s or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the new one will have Tiffany solving that puzzle box on Survivor. And then the Cenobites just come onto the island or something. Oh, maybe. And they vote Dr. Shenard off because yeah. they're like, 
you tried to get someone else to do your work for you. Well, and they found him. They found him trying to find a hidden. He was trying to find a hidden idol the whole time. Yeah, (laughs) can't trust that fucker. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) can't trust that fucker. You can't trust him. The take on him being a Bond villain, Luke, I think is spot on because once he was like in his evilest form of like leather and a head tentacle, and then tentacles coming out of his hands. But not out of his fingers, where you would assume, like, a gross mm-hmm. bunch of tentacles would come out of, like, out of the palm of his hands. Like, I don't know, the eye monster <laughs> in Pan's Labyrinth. But mm-hmm. he just, he just, every line of his dialogue was, the doctor is in, I've done your, your diagnosis, terminal, <laughs> time for surgery. No anesthesia. <laughs> no anesthesia. Take these pills and call me in the morning. I don't know what else he said, but like it's just all very like doctory one-liners, but like evil. They're like, Doctor Kennard, okay, for this take, can you just say evil one-liners? And he was like, Don't worry, I got you covered. <laughs> Roll tape. We don't need to rehearse it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Yuck. Smooth, so gross. It was hard to take him seriously. It was very hard to take him seriously at the very <laughs> end when they're like in hell. And then he's like just floating with his like little brain stem thing that's like that levitating him. It, I, it's like he's supposed to be the ultimate baddie because at that point he kills the other Cenobites. Mm-hmm. And then I, I couldn't take him seriously because he just looks so ridiculous and not in like a scary way. Just like, like how many more tentacles can you give this guy? And what other kinds of utilities can these tentacles have? Like we had like <laughs> knives. We had little drills. Mm-hmm. I was expecting like chopsticks at one point and like, you know, a flashlight. An yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, like we're playing operation at this point And like every little thing he pulls out of the body, he sticks it onto a fingertip tentacle or yeah. sorry, a hand palm tentacle. And it's like, was... this is a new tool for me. Yeah, there, and the the most ridiculous one, aside from one where he's trying to entice Tiffany, where one of the tentacles turns into a flower, and then one of them turns into a finger that's doing the, like, come here motion, <laughs> was, I think, one of the last ones where it, like, opens up and it's a drill, and then it, like, opens up into four and spins around, and then another spike comes out, and then that spike opens up, and then that one starts spinning around, and then another spike is just like... Okay, this is... You're right. This is a cartoon. This is, like, Daffy Duck You're just versus showing off. You're just Bugs showing Bunny. off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bigger and bigger gun before, you know, until escalation until one of them self-destructs. And I guess, yeah, that's what evil's going to do. Evil's going to get bigger and bigger <laughs> as it needs to scare you more and more. But it just got ridiculous. Ludicrous, mm-hmm. I think. And then the contra- I think why it's such a weird feeling is that it's contrasted against such a self-serious tone of a movie. Like like the first one this movie is so brooding and oh god kind of like i don't know this is again like a movie version of just a angsty teenager but again maybe like an angsty teenager with cartoonish displays so the tone of this movie worked pretty well in the first one but Mm -hmm. i think that's because it was like bizarre to say about it but Actually, the first Hellraiser was much more restrained than this film was in its gore. And even though there was a lot of body horror in the first one, it just didn't club you over the head with it. Like it got that it got that mix down really well. And this movie just went overboard with it. So it felt Mm. like you weren't I, I felt like I didn't know what I was supposed to feel about what was going on. Like the movie was sending me mixed messages about its own intent. 
And of course, like we've talked about lots of times, when that happens, I feel like I'm watching not a very good movie. <laughs> well, yeah, like one of the the biggest messages in the the Hellraiser in Hellraiser one, I think, was like the idea that like pain and pleasure are super close linked together, right? And mm-hmm. I, they've done studies in the brain and they've done imaging where it's like the regions that are fired when there's pain and pleasure are very, very close by and they kind of feed off one another. And like the ecstasy of pain is kind of, you know, is a known phenomenon. And then like, I felt you're right, Luke, it is very weird to say that the first movie did it more subtly when we thought that that was like the (laughs) maximum of unsubtlety they could find. But in this movie, they were like, check it out. We can get way less subtle, but just like the, the amount of times they just had like naked people writhing around and covered in blood was like, okay, I get it. Like, right. Like pain and pleasure are real close together. Mm. We, we get it. There was the the most ridiculous, the most, which is saying something in this movie was at the very end when the spinning pillar of death comes out of the mattress and there's two like skeleton corpses and one is just like humping the other one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, <laughs> we get it. What's your pleasure, sir? Yes. Mm-hmm. Pain. We, okay. Movie, thank you. I understand. <laughs> ah, what a good message. Sometimes pleasure comes with consequences. Interesting. Thank you, Hellraiser Ooh. 2, for the <laughs> really deep message. <laughs> that's an interesting take. I, I, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know if that's the one I want to go with, but... You know what? We don't care who knows. (laughs) Well, the truth is I don't even know because this movie... Again, I I think there were elements... Like, there was some interesting camera work on the close-ups and the way that they film this kind of dreamy, standoffish, but self-serious tone. So I think there was some really good cinematography, actually, in this movie. Mm -hmm. So the technical stuff was totally fine. And, like admirable and probably worth talking about in a different kind of context but this movie again was like i don't want to be crude although i don't care and this movie was this movie was very masturbatory like this movie was was very much like self-involved look what we can do look at how hard i can rub this skin so to speak and tear off this arm like you thought you've you you thought you've seen a lot of bodiless skin hanging around just wait till we could show you this stuff right i I don't know it just (laughs) it just it was like it was just a movie stroking itself and it's just not an enjoyable kind of movie on balance when that happens, I think. So I'm right. saying the same thing in every different way I possibly can. Right <laughs> well, repetition is a virtue. I don't know. Is it? Yeah. But, it, I don't know the I, but it's, but it's also a virtue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I mentioned this in, when we talked about Hellraiser one as well, but, there's just like a huge contrast in the visuals that really takes you out of it. Like you have so many of these like incredibly gross but visually effective practical effects with like the blood and the skin mm-hmm. and like all of it looks fake, right? But it, it's effective and you could tell like it's it's clay or it's like cornstarch or it's like mm-hmm. prosthetic or whatever. But it's all pra- all of these like practical effects. And then sure. you have it contrasted yep. with 1980s CGI with like the puzzle lightning and like <laughs> even the, yeah. the the exterior shot of the hospital 
Like I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. they CGI'd like the the like the the lights <laughs> flashing in the sky and whatnot. Yeah. It looked bad because it's 80s CGI. But then when you have to contrast it with all these practical effects, it just it takes you out of the moment. So like I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know what this movie's about. I don't know how I feel about these characters. Also, I don't know how I feel about what I'm visually seeing as well. Like it's it's so different. And like some of it's good, some of it's bad. It just it takes you out of it. Like I was, I don't mm-hmm. think I was ever immersed in this movie. No, the CGI of the end, like the hell labyrinth area. I was like, mm-hmm. this just this looks like a shittier Tron. Kind yeah, of thing like the whole like dark sky part. I was like, yeah, uh. you see him, you see him walking, but it's clearly like a painting yeah. that they put into the film. It just yeah, didn't, it's like it a... didn't look good for those parts but all the other things looked good for for the practical part of it but then when you mix them together it's just like this is weird i don't feel right about this yeah and i don't know if if cgi is the right technical term for it i know like special effects i think like rotoscoping and digital like compositing and stuff i think is more in line with what it was because i don't know if computer animated stuff was I don't think they had anything really CGI. Maybe, maybe I, I, if I'm wrong, but yeah. So I, I don't think it was like computer generated, but but like all the stuff by hand. You're right. All the weird overlay stuff of the environmental effects of this hospital that looked like it was just a bunch of magazine clippings like collaged together was was very weird, and it yeah it pulled me out because we've seen better effects in later movies, and that's again a symptom of watching this movie in 2021 when it came out in 1988, <laughs> right? Like. So, mm-hmm. of course, we're watching it in the technology of the time, and it's going to not hold up to the passage of time. But the practical stuff was well done. Those those body suits, the thing that, like, when Julia comes out and she's all just, like, no skin, just, like, muscles, I thought that looked disgusting, but really effective. Like, she looked gross. What was the... We talked about it last episode. The, the guy who used to do the, like, kids show and, like, learn about what was inside the body. Alex, do you remember what that guy's name was? Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> we talked about it in the last episode of um, Hellraiser, where like there's a there's a children's entertainer who wore like a morph suit and had like muscles. Oh, uh, and slim good body. Slim good body. Yeah. yeah, it's like slim good body times a million, and <laughs> I don't know if it was accurate to what the muscles and, and bones and vertebrae look like on a human body, but it looked damn gross. And we did see boobs. Yes, I was going to ask. Bloody, muscly boobs, but we saw some boobs. (laughs) You got the boobs. There you go. You did it. And then I really like her power move of going to get some of his clothes. So Julia's summoned. She's all gross and bloody. And she's like, I need some clothes. And she goes and puts on one of his whitest, most linen suits. And I was like, damn, that's a power move. (laughs) That's going to stay. put on something red, you know? (laughs) Yeah, right. Maybe just some sweatpants or, you know. Or maybe uh, let's wrap you up in bandages first before you put on my clothes. <laughs> yeah, oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, mummy. <laughs> I didn't get mummy vibes, oddly enough, even though I should have gotten mummy vibes from that. I got more of, like, Invisible Man vibes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mummy. I, I thought you said mommy. I was like, gross, oh, Luke? Mummy. <laughs> mummy. <laughs> Like, a, like yeah. yes, like, yes, like to, the pyramid mummy. Yes. Okay. To be fair, there was a lot of mommy and daddy <laughs> in this movie that was very unsettling. I was like, these, okay, this is another thing that bothered me. 
the the ages of Kirsty and Tiffany were kind of ambiguous because I thought Tiffany's or sorry Kirsty is supposed to be this like teenager, but in this movie she seemed like she could be anywhere between. 22 to 46 like just the way she was like dressing <laughs> but then she has this dialogue where she's like daddy i need you i'm gonna come save you daddy don't leave me daddy and i was just like oh that's gross and then tiffany is dressed up in the flashback scenes like she's supposed to be this little kid but she's like clearly in her late to mid teens or mid to late teens and i'm just like how old is anyone supposed to be what mm. is the ages of these it's very upsetting <laughs> Maybe it wasn't Kirsty's father, just her S and M partner. Yeah, well, you know what? There's a lot of <laughs> that would make sense for this movie. There were some leather daddies in this movie, right? <laughs> there's a lot of leather. There's a lot of kink. Kink is a very, very tender subject for people who get into it and do it in a safe way. And consent is very important. And this is I I don't think this is a healthy representation of kink. So uh, people out there, if you're interested in kink and stuff, go off. Great, have fun, but do it in a safe way. <laughs> Don't, don't take like this Hellraiser. movie as no. any sort of lead. Hellraiser is not your blueprint for how to have a safe experience engaging in Man, kink and this BDSM is... and stuff. Yeah. I did like that we got a little bit of a, a pinhead prequel story, which I'm surprised. Honestly, I'm surprised that in this day and age, they haven't made a movie about Johnny Explorerton's descent into becoming pinhead. Mm-hmm. You know, make that make that opening five minutes of the movie. I'm surprised that hasn't been turned into a full length film yet. Cause it could, right? Well, there's an upcoming remake reboot of Hellraiser. Mm. So yes, 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 yes. With Jamie Clayton as pinhead. Good for her. She's in the L word and sense eight camera. What else she was in, but good for her. So, but see, that was also another confusing part of this movie for me because I was a little surprised at how easily the Cenobites were defeated. Right? Like, they just didn't feel ominous at all in this movie when they were showed up. And then, you know, Dr. Sherard Stemhead is just, like, dead, 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 dead. Do you think because maybe like, okay. maybe because the, the Cenobites were, like, created by something else? And it looked like in this movie, Dr. Sherard was created to be a Cenobite by Leviathan itself? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it makes sense in the movie. I just felt kind of like let Ripped down off. yeah like it just felt like a a, a kind of like de- it's like a, snoke in last jedi right yeah it's a deflation it's a deflation like yeah. the first movie built these antagonists up so well and so kind of like imperiously and 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 ominously and then they're just like oh by the way fuck you you're dead but now i guess they're back so okay Well, and that's the thing is like the fact that they are or were humans at one point in time. And I wonder if this is maybe something that's more in the novels of Hellraiser that sort of explains what they were before they were Cenobites. Because, you know, we got to see the one, the other bald one with nail through her nose. She turns back into herself. She's got, you know, she just looks like kind of a punk. And then the, Mm -hmm. the guy with the Morpheus sunglasses turns into just this like kind of chubby looking guy and then the little chatterer one is this little kid and so i was like oh what is like there's obviously a reason that all of these people became these representations of whatever their sin or their trespass or their desire was like mm-hmm. why did she have her her voice you know voice box split open why was the big she was a chain guy <laughs> sure why was he had his eyes sewn shut why was he like looking the at the chatterer sun. one a little... he talked too <laughs> much 
Oh, there you go. Mm. All right, this has been another episode. And then Pinhead of was to way care. too into acupuncture and didn't get a certificate and tried to do it on himself. Oh. Hey, you know what? I I it is. I know that's spur of the moment, Alex, sure. but I still think that's a better <laughs> script. <laughs> sure. So, but you, do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if there is like a yeah. a better explanation, and I'm sure there is probably yeah. Tones find out in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> written about these Cenobites o- online that we could dive into, but it they didn't give you that in the movie. They only kind of gave you this like, oh, here it was. There was a person. Okay, moving on. Now, now Pinhead is facing off against Dr. Tentacle Man, and he's also just going to die because he remembered he was a human or something? Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so surprised at that scene because it looked like, like the revelation that Pinhead was a human was supposed to be his kind of like freeing moment like the genie out of the bottle i'm free Mm -hmm. now i can actually like unleash myself in a way that i I can redeem myself maybe or something like that and instead he just turns human and then like dies easier okay (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's true but but like i don't know (laughs) what was the point of it (laughs) because i guess i know in hellraiser 3 (laughs) right I guess because, yeah, otherwise Kirsty and Tiffany would have had to escape from not only Dr. Monster Tentacle, but also all the Cenobites. So it was like, we need you to... St- okay, Cenobites, you're evil. Great. Thank you for being evil. Now what we need you to do is be cannon fodder for this evil and more evil guy while our heroes escape. Okay, thanks Do you know so what much. I mean, though? There were, like, yeah. so many antagonists, and my voice just cracked, and they're all fighting against each other. Doctor was, like, allied with Julia, but then she betrays him, and then he ultimately goes up against the other Cenobites and he kills them. The mm-hmm. Cenobites are supposed to be like this other villain and they're up against Kirsty, but then they're also, they're, they're trying to claim people that have cheated them. So, but then they end up dying to the doctor who didn't cheat them. I don't know why they were fighting. I thought they were going to ally with each other. Mm-hmm. And then you have Frank who betrayed Julia in the first one and he's tricking he, like he's tricking Kirsty in this one and then when he gets there he's against Kirsty but then he's also <laughs> but then trying Julia to bang Julia yeah. but then Julia rips his heart out because he betrayed her in the first mm, one like who didn't there. see that one coming and then <laughs> yeah. we have another villain we have the we have Leviathan I don't know what Leviathan's problem is but Leviathan is apparently this millennium Yu-Gi-Oh puzzle that like gets destroyed <laughs> by being solved by a child and then he's a reverse Sauron (laughs) yeah and there's just there's too many villains and they all are against each other and I don't understand it (laughs) it's like is anyone working together besides Kirsty and Tiffany and like maybe Kyle not really yeah (laughs) they all have ulterior motives and this movie is way too short for all these storylines to like come to fruition it's like, yeah instead of instead of one person doing all the work on a group project everyone in the group made their own project and tried to present it at the same time mm-hmm. and you're just like no 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 and then they all it's wrote bad. letters of complaint to their prof about what the other person <laughs> yeah. didn't do yeah <laughs> <sighs> oh. oh my cheeks hurt because it's so yeah it, it oh. made it hard to know what to care about mm-hmm. <laughs> i think at the end of the day you're supposed to care about Kirsty and Tiffany, which we did. Mm-hmm. Well, at least I did. And that's really all that matters, right? Sure. I did yeah. feel bad about all those other patients that, like, literally just got sacrificed. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's what I thought was going to happen. And again, I guess maybe this movie, I don't know if it gets credit for making it, making me, like, not be able to predict what was going to happen next. But 
good job, I guess. When they <laughs> change the the Leviathan back into the giant Cenobite cube in the sky, and all the blue orbs are like <laughs> zipping around and flying at the screen, and some of them look like skulls. I was like, oh, are all the souls of the people who got tricked into looking at these puzzle boxes, are they going to be returned? Nope. Everyone in that hospital is just, like, dead, and there's a wreath on their bed. So, like, hmm. <laughs> okay. But now their souls are released to go to heaven, maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, good thing I brought heaven lower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Discord <laughs> yeah. Also, I know we're just scattershotting this, but whatever. Do it. Why, why, why is not the first thing anyone does is get rid of that mattress in that house? <laughs> it's like a bloody chained mattress. Well, we better move this. It's private property. It's like, no, that's like clearly like a sanitation. Uh, and like, a, like it's probably infectious. Like, fucking burn that, that gave... fucker. Okay, the amount of people what, what that touched doing? liquid that looked like blood and brought it to their lips was like, too many in this movie. You don't do that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> there just were so many things around. It was like, no, that's yeah. not what you would do with that prop. Don't Shit, touch is that. this blood? I better touch it and then taste it mm, to make sure. It doesn't cool matter if it's blood or not. You just don't taste <laughs> okay but luke to your point about the mattress and i agree that mattress should have been burned a long time ago i really did enjoy the scene where dr chenard is like on the phone and he's like yes yes i need the mattress no to my house bring it to my house you see not the front door the side door of my house i want that mattress and it's like okay we get it you're bad but then at the end in that room there are packed boxes from the moving company. So that means that means that somebody on that moving crew went into that room, packed three or four boxes, saw the mattress, and went, that is not my job, and, like, left. Like, good on yeah. that guy, but, like... Or got sucked in. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. Okay. Also possible. He was like, I finally did all the boxes, and I didn't move this bloody mattress. Time to move the bloody mattress. Oh, no, I'm getting eaten by the mattress. The end. <laughs> Oh, it just, it begged to be gotten rid of. <laughs> if that was me, if I was that last mover guy who just like came in and saw the feet of his buddy sticking out of the mattress, I'd just been like, and close the door and get in my truck and drive away and get a new job. Like, that's it. It's not a thing. <laughs> yep. You know what? I think it's, yeah, it's five o'clock. I'm off the clock. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Why? Why did? Why did Doctor Shenard and the Cenobites? Why were they in conflict? I don't get it. Was it a power struggle? I think so. Uh. Yes, okay. because I think that because Doctor Shenard think... was like, I run the show now or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm the real boss here. Yeah, I think Leviathan brought him his different powers, and he was going around, and and they're also mad at him because he he didn't solve the puzzle box. Like he got Tiffany to enter the cheat codes for him. So he could, like, he watched her solve it, and he went into hell. Like, it was like, hey, you didn't earn your way in here. You're just, like, walking around because someone else did the work, and you went in the door. And yeah. so, like, maybe that's why. But then also... Remembering that he's human flipped a switch? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. He just, he flipped a switch, and the fact that Kirsty got away from him so many times, he was just like, ah, this kid. Normally, I'd kill you, but you? I no like more you. tricks. No more no tricks. tricks. Just information. <laughs> No tricks. Don't worry. I'm not going to trick you anymore. Here's this picture of you. Gotta go. 
What? <laughs> I'm no longer a kid, so no tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't have them. Yeah, so we ended up having Chekhov's old photograph and Chekhov's mm-hmm. discarded skin, right? Oh, the discarded skin part was so gross. I was watching this with my girlfriend on the couch, and she was like, "Why did she? Why could she could have just put the dress on and put the face on? She didn't have to put the arms on too." But okay, all right. No, you're I forgetting. Doctor Shenard is a doctor. He would have known. Oh, he would have known. I thought of another criticism of this movie. <gasps> just oh, once. <laughs> I think because. Of the over the topness of this film, the poor acting stood out a little bit more than it did in the first movie. So I don't, th- I don't think the acting was significantly worse in Hellraiser two to the first Hellraiser, or at least like the dialogue style and the script. Like it seemed like the the way that they talked to each other was similar, but I feel like it stood out more as a negative in this film because it was not buffered or glossed over by a kind of like more like a good story. So because we're just going from gratuitous, gratuitous, gratuitous disgustingness, and then all of a sudden back to like screaming Kirsty and Machiavellian Julia at all times. It's just <laughs> like it was like the acting itself is so on the nose and so hysterical often that it just wasn't, it wasn't like a reprieve either way from other bad parts of the movie. So I just noticed right. it more in this one where I was like, okay, whatever. Well, and <laughs> what what's interesting in the first Hellraiser, a bit of trivia that we didn't know, I didn't know anyway, maybe mm-hmm. you, you both knew, but we didn't mention, I don't think, on the episode, was that New Line Cinema was worried about it being with British accents. So they actually dubbed almost everybody with an American accent. So most of the dialogue in Hellraiser 1 was dubbed over with American accents. So maybe that explains a little bit more of the weird woodenness that we felt in the mm-hmm. first one. But I, I don't think that this one was dubbed. And so it's like, mm. that's not even a, an excuse. So maybe it's even <laughs> even more noticeable than, yeah. <laughs> you know, than you originally thought. Mm-hmm. You know what? Oddly enough, though, one of the bad acting parts was one of my more enjoyed parts of this movie. <laughs> The well, part, that's good. Yeah, the part where Kyle tells Kirsty to get dressed, we're going, and then she opens the, yeah, closet, the closet and yeah. there's no clothes, and she, it just cuts her face, and she's like, "Shit!" <laughs> yeah, like that, that was my favorite. Well, that was one of my favorite <laughs> parts so of good. the movie. Shit! <laughs> yeah, but I mean, of course, it was just so like out there that I'm like, <laughs> you're, "You're you're laughing at the movie, not with it." When that yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're definitely laughing at the movie. <laughs> <sighs> okay I, I don't know like do you know what i mean though like sorry just mm-hmm. to like last thought on this topic no no please there yeah. are some there are some movies that the story is kind of nonsense or bad but mm-hmm. you are able to really engage with the acting so much so that you kind of forget well at least while you're watching the movie you forget that the story or the logic behind the story is kind of nonsensical mm-hmm. because the the performances are so accomplished and and believable and this movie just didn't have that even going for it as a as a backdrop i felt yeah there was there was a lot of how's the best way to say it yeah there was a lot of like they need to be at this location because that's what the story says and we we talk about it a lot and that's how plots work right they write the story so that the characters end up in the situation so they have to have the problems and solve them Mm -hmm. and a 
cleverly written movie gives you dialogue and gives you set pieces and acting that makes it make a bit more sense for them to be in these situations. Whereas this one, it was just like, Kyle overhears the doctor talk about the gross mattress at his house. So I got to go check the mattress out at the house. Off I go. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at all the (laughs) weird shit. I guess Mm -hmm. I'll go up in this room. Oh, Julia's there. She's going to tell me there's weird stuff inside. Better go inside anyway. (laughs) Oops, I'm dead. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind not even talking to the detective who was there in the first place. Right? Like, Kyle should have gone to the detective and be like, hey, I don't know about this doctor guy. Like, he's planted some shit. Remember that mattress that's evidence? Yeah, he wanted it at his house. Is that normal? I'm Kyle, by the way. This is Kyle from the hospital. Kyle McRae. Oh, by the way, now I see him taking patients to his house and torturing them on the mattress. Is that okay? Is that okay? I don't know. It's Kyle again, by the way. Okay, bye. I love you. Like, yeah. You know, he should have been... Yeah. Why was I'm why was sorry, the detective movie. there? Why I don't was want to that? Laugh why, at you why? so much, but <laughs> I can't help it. Why? Yeah. Why was the detective there? Why did they even mention Steve if he wasn't going to be in there? They're just like, well, we talked to Steve and we let him go home. Um, okay. What? <laughs> like, I guess he's not in the movie. We don't worry about him. It's yeah, they so... couldn't get they couldn't get Steve to resign the contract. Steve was the smartest person. Steve read the script. Was like, hell no. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the the acting took it out where you're just like, I don't, I don't care why you're going to these places. <laughs> so, I guess just let's go, let's go. Here we go. Let's go. Here we go. So, a question about Leviathan, hmm. because my Greek history, my biblical history, is a little bit rusty, but I do recognize that name from other sorts of myth. Do we think that it had anything to do with Leviathan? Can either of you refresh my memory on what Leviathan is off the top of your head? I tried to look it up on Wikipedia, but it's a long article. Well, in the Bible, Leviathan is generally like considered to be kind of a big creature, maybe like a dragon or a large snake, maybe even. So it's it's just this big, ugly creature that can dominate kind of thing. But it also was resurrected in political philosophy from it's the title of a thomas hobbes his i I think it was maybe 16th or 17th century book called leviathan in which he argued that the best way to kind of further civilization was to bring all of these warring tribes under a single state what we would call a state now like a nation right and he called that nation the leviathan basically like the monarch or the single governing body that can have a monopoly on violence to make the world more peaceful kind of thing. And so he argued that human nature being what it is is so brutal that the only way to really temper Mm. it is to bring it under a leviathan, he called it, which is the state. Okay. So that would be another place where it would be another article (laughs) of (laughs) that word so yeah it's just like i think leviathan itself is just this big imposing monster that will dominate your behavior yeah and i mean it kind of has that essence about it it's it's seen being massive in the sky it's kind of just like a weird shape but there's all this sort of non-euclidean architecture and physics around it (laughs) it's got eye beams or definitely weird auras and yeah okay sure fine there's a a big cosmic Mm -hmm. horror monster that 
maybe that's what maybe that's what the Firethon wanted. He was like, okay, this doctor is gonna unite all the Cenobites under to be extra evil to subdue humans, whereas mm-hmm. you early Cenobites were just content to like fuck around with the people who like came knocking on your door, and that's not good enough anymore. I don't know. I'm, maybe I, I'm giving this movie way too much credit. <laughs> I think your comparison to Sauron is spot on. It plays the same role as Sauron, kind of thing. So just as good as Two Towers, confirmed. Mm, confirmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Thank you. Anything to add to that, Alex? Or I, I just you know? I I thought Le- Leviathan was the god of that location, hell. I would assume so the Satan? god of hell, <laughs> Satan. Yeah, sure. Just a Need, needed a couple extra syllables. I always knew Satan was a puzzle box. It all makes <laughs> Some sense of them now. Can, can be demonically hard. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I thought this movie didn't do a very good job at hiding the fact that the Doctor was not was like the antagonist in this movie. Oh yeah. And it was in the very first scene when he's doing, like, brain surgery and talking to students, and he used the phrase, final solution. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think this guy's a good guy. Yeah. He already had, like, evil, like, narrative voice down, Pat. He was monologuing hard. He was very evil. And then, yeah, he says, final solution. And I'm like, oh, yikes. Capital letters, bolded, underlined, yikes. <laughs> Not okay. Yeah. So if the movie was scared that we the audience members would not know that dr chenard is the bad person in this movie rest assured it was the most obvious thing ever so good (laughs) job whoever wrote this movie i know we'll make him say the thing the bad thing we've (laughs) done it movie (laughs) movie crack oh this movie that was that was like most of the movie i was just kind of like watching in disbelief like what what's going on how did this get written why is this happening (laughs) How are these characters interacting with each other in this way? Oh, Who's gross. the bad person? Oh, gross. I don't know. Why are they fighting each other? Oh, it was gross. just questions the whole time. Oh, gross. But it wasn't questions regarding the plot. It was just questions regarding like everything else. Yeah. And I think the movie loses even some more points for us because it's coming off the heels of us watching Candyman, which is another Clive Barker novel. And it's another, you know, the way that movie was done was so much more understated and so much more, like, interesting and had a lot more to talk about. And, and maybe, you know, Candyman 2 loses it in its sequels. But, yeah, I was just like, ooh, another Clive Barker. He did, you know, he, he's responsible for the novel of Candyman. He's, the Hellraiser one was really good. Let's go. And it could have been sequelitis, but it also just could have been, like, this movie was a bunch of stuff that happened. It's just a bunch of stuff that happened. In a disgusting way. In and then an even more disgusting way. Not not disgusting enough. It was like, is it this disgusting enough? They're like, more. No. Yeah. We can do more. We, we can, can do grosser. more. Especially the the skin glove, like when she's grabbing Tiffany and like her fake arm oh. Blah. So There's gross. a point in this is like, why is everything <laughs> dripping? Everyone was so sweaty and gross and slimy. It's like there's no dryness here anywhere. No. I'm... Everything's lubed up in hell. (sighs) I'm reading... I'm not reading. I'm listening to a book, which is like reading, but I'm I'm listening to a book called The Stars Are Legion, which is this like sci-fi book, but it's very much in the same way. There's 
just the descriptions of it are all very disgusting. Everything is like this weird body horror. The planets are living organisms that have like intestines and guts and the walls are slimy and the doors open up like muscles contracting and it's all just so yucky. Like every time I like put on a chapter, I'm like, oh, this is gross. And this is what this movie made me feel like. It was just like, Ugh. It's gross. I don't want to. Why am I watching this? It was yucky. Luke, your name says it all. Yuck. Yuck. Just yuck. Yuck. <laughs> so, do we have final thoughts? We could. I guess we could talk about the concept of personal hell. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I think in this movie hell. we saw. I'm gonna say we saw two different personal hells. So the okay. fir- like the very obvious one that we saw was Uncle Frank's personal hell, which is this weird. I don't know, like morgue with candles Mm. filled with silhouettes and body shapes of women Mm -hmm. under, Under I guess women that are orgasming, but they aren't real. So that's Frank's hell Mm -hmm. is like, look at all these women I can't have sex with. That's hell. (laughs) And he tricks. They're faking it. They're faking it. Yeah. (laughs) That's his hell, I guess. And then that's part, that's like the subplot is he, he tricks Kirsty to go to hell because he makes her think that he's her dad mm-hmm. so that she can be the real thing instead of all the fake things. Mm-hmm. And then she Deep. throws a, a piece of cloth on some candles and <laughs> an explosion happens. Lights <laughs> the entire world on fire. <laughs> yeah. And the, yeah. The other personal hell was, I, I think it was, I'm going to assume it was Julia's personal hell when Julia is taking dr chenard kind of through the, the hallways and then he peeks through and he just sees like people having sex in a hot tub or something is that her personal hell i thought that was kirsty saw that vision though i didn't think that was julia i thought kirsty was looking around and trying to maybe no, no, she's no, just cause okay dr chenard looks through the, the little hole in the wall he sees mm-hmm. that and then julia's like i want to show you something and leads him on and she smiles but then she turns more sinister and then she leads him to leviathan Mm. was that her personal hell she looks like she's having a good time oh you know what maybe (laughs) her personal hell was her having sex with kirsty's dad while uncle frank is the one watching maybe that's the personal maybe i mean the the idea of a personal (laughs) hell is very you know it's a cool idea it's just a cool idea do, do it in a good job Good, good job. Good way. Didn't do it in a good job. I like that she comes into she comes into hell because she sees the message. I am in hell. Help me. And I was like, that's a mood. Yeah, I've been there. And, you know, the, the Cenobites are like, oh, you're here to find your dad. Well, he's in his own hell. You can't get there. And I thought like I thought that was kind of funny. It's like, yeah, you can't really go into somebody else's problems and like take them out. Like you can be there for them. You can talk to them. You can commiserate with him but you can't really fully truly get into the depths of what is what bothers people and what upsets people because you can't go into somebody's hell and the idea that there is a hell and you go there and it's tailored to what'll make you the least happy then of course you wouldn't be able to visit hells but then they're just but like then this movie kind of just changed all that around right it was like yeah, yeah kirsty was able to go into someone else's hell uncle frank's and make it worse <laughs> <laughs> Now you don't even have your, like, corpse brides or whatever. Yeah, because the Cenobites are like, well, you, you're in your hell. You can't 
you can't get out of here. And then she's like, but now I'm in Frank's hell. But maybe her hell would have her creepy Uncle Frank in it. That totally makes sense because that guy was creepy. Yeah. And then was it implied that her dad wasn't actually in hell because he was just dead? Or he was, in his own was like, house. oh, he's dead. Don't don't be so naive. He's dead or something like that. I don't know. So I don't does know. I guess not everybody goes to hell. Only the bad people from the first movie. Well, no dogs for sure. There were no dogs. <laughs> yeah, no dogs. Because all dogs go to heaven. <laughs> Is that reference a little bit too before your time, Alex? <laughs> What's a dog? <laughs> Luke, go get Ranger. We need we need to <laughs> Bow Wow. Bow Wow. Yeah, I mean the idea of it being her personal hell and the Cenobites being like, you can't send us away because now you're in our house. Like, have a look around, tell us what you think, but we'll be here whenever you're ready to chat. Like, I thought that was kind of interesting, and I wish they had done more of it. Watch Hellraiser 3. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I truly, truly don't want to. <laughs> I'm pretty comfortable in saying this movie didn't really do much good with the deep issues it was pretending to do. So, <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. I just brought it up because it was brought up, but there's really nothing else to say about it. Yeah, I agree. It's an interesting concept that I would love to think about, and I'd be happy to chat about with people if they want to. But as far as Hellraiser two, or sorry, Hellbound colon Hellraiser two, yeah, okay. Yeah, everyone has their own hell, and and they're maybe all they're yuck. Cenobites. They're all they're gross. All they're yuck. all sweaty. And everyone is sweaty and <laughs> yuck all the time. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Speaking of, do we have a scariest part? Scariest part of the movie? I guess I have to go first because it was my pick. Aside from this movie being yuck and disgusting and gross, I think the the scene where the patient is on the mattress and he's trying to cut all the bugs off of him. That was the yuckiest scene for me because the bugs were all crawling and he's slicing himself up with a razor and i was trying to eat lunch i was trying to have lunch while i was on and i was just like i made a bad choice take another bite of food oh i shouldn't have done that <laughs> take yet uh, yeah so yuck don't give it i don't think that dr chenard was a real doctor i don't think he's ever been to medical school <laughs> that's my scariest part <laughs> what about what about you luke it was just so gross. Every part was just gross. Every gross part was like not much more gross than any other part, but they were just all so gross. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I probably, okay. <laughs> I'll pick the first time Red Skull Julia manifested because that's just like, that's so gross. <laughs> so, it's so gross. Exactly. It's just gross. Just gross. Okay. Alex, grossest part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. So I agree with the two of you. Those were gross parts, but I guess I'll pick a, a different one for the sake of originality. Um, mm. I think my grossest part is when there's that big, I don't know, hurricane, the, the the gust of wind down the hallway, and Tiffany grabs one hand of of Kirsty and one hand of Julia. Right. And then Julia's spine seam rips. <laughs> <laughs> And Red Skull Julia leaves the skin and gets flat, like sucked down the the hallway, and there's just like there's her pile of skin, all skin, no bones, just on the ground. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. gross. I was like, oh, are you an inflatable outside of a car dealership or something? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's. I'll pick that one. Chekhov's human skin suit came back to to save the day later, though, because what do you know? Kirsty was just like, "Ooh, this fits me." Slip. Now mm-hmm. I'm going to solve solve the day, save the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we see now what inspired Mission Impossible. <sighs> oh, is that what it was? Not the '60s television show of the same name. Yeah. <laughs> so <Well>. too. <laughs> Hey listeners, Billy jumping in here to let you know that this week, Nothing to Fear is sponsored by our friends at Unclockable.com. Unclockable provides tucking kits for anybody who wishes to have a little bit more security when they go out and about in their day-to-day lives, especially great for trans women like myself. The tuck kits that they provide are comfortable and easy to wear all day, and they have paired with us to give you an exclusive link and promo code to use for $9 off any 30 tuck kit. So if this is something you are interested in, head over to unclockable.com NTF and enter the promo code NTF at checkout for $9 off any 30 tuck kit. Shipping is free in the United States, and orders more than $125 will receive free shipping in Canada as well. So head on over to unclockable.com slash NTF and use promo code NTF for $9 off your order of any 30 tuck kit. Thanks, Unclockable. Back to the show. All right. Okay. So what to give this movie and what to rate it out of? The temptation is to pick something gross because this movie was so gross, but I'm tired of talking about gross things, so I'm just going to mm. pick puzzle cubes. Just okay. just puzzle cubes. Palette cleanser. Wait, puzzle cubes or puzzle triangles because there were two different ones. Ooh, not oh, leviathons. Okay. Not le- but also there's a scene where Tiffany's running with leviathon in her hand and I was like, that's like running with scissors just ten times worth. Like, what if you trip and stab yourself with leviathon? That's not good. You don't want that. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, no puzzle cubes, Rubik's cubes, puzzle cubes. I gave my, I gave, I had myself two up in this movie. I wanted it to be better than it was. I let myself believe that it was like a really great sequel. I just don't see it. It was grosser, yes. It was bloodier, yes. But <laughs> grosser and bloodier did not equal better for me. So I can only give this movie two puzzle cubes out of five puzzle cubes. Mm. So that's it, Alex. Yeah, kind of going back to Luke's earlier point about how even if you have a bad plot, but you have good acting, you can kind of stay in it. But this movie didn't wasn't trying to ride out on its good story or its good acting. It was trying to ride out on its like gore and grossness. But if I if I was someone that was really into that kind of stuff, I think I'd probably rate it higher. But I'm not. I like I I don't care for it. And it was gross. And it was it was too much. It was too much. Way too much. So, yeah, way too much. Excessive was not in this movie's <laughs> vocabulary. But I will say this movie did answer a lot of my problems with the Cenobites in the first one. You know, okay. with them being revealed to be human after all. So, <laughs> like, actually, I, I quite enjoyed the fact that they were human at one point in the past. And it it helped explain away a lot of my problems with the flaws of the Cenobites. So I, I did enjoy that. Kind of going back to the start, I don't think this was like i'm just like mixed in between like i don't care for this movie i didn't hate it but i didn't like it so i think i'm gonna give this a 2.25 out of five puzzle cubes all right it was too much it was too much far too much you know what i take it back i'm giving it a two out of five it was too much (laughs) two out of five 
Okay, locked in. You can't change your vote <laughs> unless you want to. But then you have to solve this puzzle cube. Hello, anyway. <laughs> Luke. What's your vote? What's your rating? yeah? Well, just to reiterate what I said, like at the very beginning of this, I I don't think this is the worst movie we've done, and I think that there was actually quite a bit of talented cinematography that went on in this movie, which was overshadowed by how gross it was so you don't notice it as much but there was some really cool close-up scenes and some camera movements that i enjoyed Mm -hmm. um and i thought were like good to watch when i was able to watch it but also like i said there was so much of this movie where i wasn't watching the screen because (laughs) i didn't want to see i just didn't want to look at that gore and that blood and that drippiness so it's just not good (laughs) when you like i don't know that could be like the most basic way to define you didn't like a movie yeah i didn't even watch it when it was on screen because i didn't want to (laughs) (laughs) so because this isn't the worst movie we've done but it's still not a very good movie i think the i'm gonna give it 1.25 puzzle boxes out of five still better than leprechaun but (laughs) not by much (laughs) not by a whole heck of a lot all right. Well, we did it. And I think we need to I think we need to cleanse our minds, <laughs> shake off the disgusting yuckiness of this movie. And I think that means we're going to cheer something. So Ooh. let's cheer something. And as I say that, I realize the thing I'm cheering this week is not something that's going to be super. Um, it's going to clear clear the floor a little bit because the thing I'm cheering is kind of gross. And that is the show called Midnight Mass on Netflix. Mm. i've been watching that we've got one episode left at the time of recording and it's a very cool spooky show with a lot of really great dramatic dialogues given by talented actors it's by mike flanagan who did hush Mm. and maddie uh, the actress who plays played maddie the name is slipping my mind she's in this movie so it's nice to see her and just yeah it's a very she can hear in this movie right she can hear and speak is it in a... the show in the show yeah show. okay okay so sorry, show. sorry it... yeah it's seven, yeah. seven episodes show don't movie <laughs> yeah show don't movie and it's really good i will say if you want to watch it i recommend checking it out but there is um troubling stuff with dead animals at the end of the first episode and the beginning of the second episode so mm. but other than that there's there's some gore and some gross stuff but it's very good. It's very compelling. I can't wait to finish it. And yeah, so Midnight Mass. That's what I'm cheering. Alex, what are you cheering? What am I cheering? Um, speaking of Bond villains, I watched the latest Bond movie, No Time to Die, yesterday. It is Daniel Craig's last Bond movie, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. It was, yeah. I think, a fitting way to end off Blonde Bond. <laughs> He's always been my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a, it's a good ending to his story arc. And it has, in this movie, it has my, like, all-time favorite Bond girl now. Anna de Armas is in it. Mm. Anna de Armas rocks so hard. She's in Knives yeah. Out, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah. she's only in it for, like, 10, 15 minutes of this movie. But, like, her character is so fucking cool. <laughs> so, yeah. That's nice. what I'm hearing. How There's is No Time to Die? Rami Malek as a villain. Um... Uh... The Bond villain. <laughs> okay. He wore a Got Phantom it. of the Opera mask, I think. <laughs> yeah. Some sort of mask. I mean, cool. it, most Bond villains are pretty similar, you know? Right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. 
They're like, you don't know what I'm up to, James Bond. And he's like, actually, I do. And then they're like, oh, okay, you figured it out. I guess I'll die. <laughs> I have you in a position to kill you right now and then end the threat, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I will say he's not the most compelling villain out of all the villains. Sure. Okay. But he, he is a villain. Very nice. Very nice. Mm. One of my most favorite movie-going experiences, speaking of Anna to Armas, was watching Knives Out with, I think you, I think you were there, mm. Alex, Luke, you were there for sure, I think a couple other people from our old job. Yeah. It's a good movie. That was fun. It was a fun time. Yeah, that was a fun really fun. good movie. They're making, yeah. there's a second one in production, isn't there? I'm pretty sure there is. Yes, it's called Knives In. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Handles Out. Handles Out. Handles Out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what are you cheering this week? <laughs> so my cheer is also a part confession, although I think you might already know this, Billy. But I have to say, I I cheated on the podcast this week. <laughs> I, I was, I was, I had infidelity to nothing to fear, and I actually watched with listener and friend Danica. I watched Scream Two and Scream Three outside of the confines of this podcast because <laughs> Scream Five, the new trailer dropped this week, and I was mm-hmm. so excited to see <laughs> grizzled old man Dewey <laughs> ready to go again ready for Scream go. Five. And even though Scream Two and Three aren't as good as the original, I still think they're like pretty good for being sequels. Okay. And yeah, I mean I could talk about Scream for a long time and we're going to watch Scream 4 and Scream 4 I think is even better than 2 and 3. Really good. Mm. But what I'm going to be cheering is that there's, I don't think I've come across anything, certainly on this podcast in terms of the movies we've watched and maybe just outside of podcasting that makes me laugh as hard as Ghostface trying to stab someone. It's just (laughs) the funniest. Like, So I'm cheering the Ghostface flail. (laughs) if you could imagine ghostface like getting kicked and instead of falling over like jumping backwards onto a table and just like his the ghostface inability to like have general functioning motor skills while he's (laughs) trying to kill somebody it just it brings me this kind of um undescribable kind of joy indescribable (laughs) kind of joy where i'm just like oh my it's my favorite like live action meme is the ghost face flail so i'm cheering the ghost face flail as we move into a new season of scream 5 coming out which i am so excited for nice i think it's added to by the fact that his robes are also billowy so when he's flailing around his robes are flapping about yeah yeah yeah. and he's basically got like an orgasm face on his mask when he's doing (laughs) it it's just so funny (laughs) Uh, good cheer good specific cheer thanks and again sorry for cheating on the podcast (laughs) you are absolved I absolve you of your sins (laughs) I had a fun little message exchange with Danica which is what I imagine brought up this confession where Mm -hmm. she was like I want to scream too with Luke and I was like he's cheating on us (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's fine that's alright that's alright you can watch whatever and I will say as an addendum onto that is that I enjoyed Scream 2 a lot more Hmm. knowing more about Friday the 13th. Even though Friday the 13th movies aren't that good, I got a more, I got a bigger kick out of the twist of Scream 2 knowing more about the horror movie universe, which makes sense, right? So (laughs) a thank you to this podcast for doing that for me. Ah, yeah. I will say, when we do the Scream sequels, I don't anticipate you going like, no, really? Okay, I guess I'll 
I guess I will. Like, you know, I yeah. feel like you're you're locked in for those episodes anyway. <laughs> They're just so funny. Yeah. They're so funny. Ah. Ah, great. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for <laughs> sticking uh, sticking through this movie and this episode, everyone. It's been great. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. If you would like to support the show, because this is the time of the episode where we do that, please head over to your podcasting apps of your choice and rate, review, subscribe to us, help us go up in the charts, help more listeners find our show, tell your friends about us. And if you would like to support the show, please consider, or if you, if you, if you would like to support the show, you can do that by heading over to TeePublic to get some merch, or you can go to patreon.com slash nothing to fear, where we do have a Patreon with some mostly drawings that I'm doing right now going up. And you can do that for as little as $1 per month. And it'd be great. You can follow us on Instagram at nothing to fear podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at NTF pod. You can follow me on Instagram at Billy by design. I before E when spelling Billy and there are underscores between the words and you can follow and talk to Luke at talk to me or listen to me yes oh okay you You can listen to like at either really true fiction or the liberal soul both other podcasts that i do and have been doing for a while and really enjoy doing so all of it is done (laughs) all right great and if you want to talk to alex you can always get in touch with me and i'll get in touch with alex but if you want to talk to alex what hilarious place can they find you this week alex (laughs) you can find me in the depths of my own personal hell ah which, ironically, is talking, would be talking to people to that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you're lovely, but don't talk to me if I don't know you. Alex's personal hell is just an Instagram account with no private function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And people right. just initiating small talk. Hey, how are you? Hey, you see any good hockey games? Uh, uh. <laughs> I'm getting, getting like super anxious just thinking about that right now. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Only if you can tell Alex where to find delicious beers he's tried, you can talk to me and we'll we'll get in touch with him. He's really nice, but yeah, I get it. All right, so speaking, Alex, Alex, you got to take the spotlight one more time. And sorry, thrusting into the spotlight here because next week is your pick. So what are you going to pick for us to watch for Listener Request Month? Yeah. So here's here's the confession. I kind of looked up all the movies and just picked the one that seemed to be the highest rated because none of them really interested me. Sorry, listener requests, but for the person that picked this one, congratulations, you picked the highest rated movie. So next week, we are going to watch Ouija 2, aka Ouija Origin of Evil, which is a prequel of the first movie, Ouija, which apparently we don't have to watch because... We don't need that context to go into this <laughs> prequel sequel. Love it. So next week we're going to watch Ouija colon Origin of Evil. This All is a good right. experiment. It's yeah. a good experiment to watch a sequel before watching the original. I'm excited for it. I'm glad you picked it. And I'm glad for all the listeners suggesting movies for us to watch. There are tons of horror movies and it's really nice to to know that we'll pick ones that like you know, you relate to a little bit. And to my friend Jennifer, who picked Hellraiser 2, I'm still friends with you. This didn't. This isn't a deal. Sorry, breaker, Jennifer. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry we didn't like it as much as you do. But I liked it more than Friday the 13th, Jennifer. Sure, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so folks, we'll see you next week. And remember, there's just movies. There's nothing to fear.
You, you, damn it. Alexa, go away. <laughs> you plugged it back in? <laughs> I shouldn't have. I thought I'd be okay. Uh, <laughs> ask Alexa what she thinks about Hellraiser 2. No, I, I unplugged her. She's unplugged. Oh, okay. She's gone. Uh, 